Hello everyone, this is Veniza and I'm gonna do another podcast again. Actually, I have my boyfriend here, Timothy Catlett. What do you want to say to them? I'm her fiancé, actually. Oh, your fiancé? I forgot about that. Yeah, so what do you want to say to my listeners? I wish y'all a wonderful day and week. Much success to all your endeavors and that your family stays safe and healthy during this pandemic. Okay, that's a nice message. Thank you. I think this podcast is going to be a little bit technical rather than entertaining. But since a lot of people responded yes to my poll, should I make an informative podcast about how I was allowed to do a non-essential travel amidst the pandemic, then I shall heed to the request of majority. Um, I'll probably talk about the reason or a little background first. So last October 2018, I and 16 other colleagues from MSUIIT, we went to USA. So we partnered with several Filipino communities to render an hour and a half long performance in four different states. But yeah, we were able to go to North Carolina, Virginia, Washington, D.C., New York, California, and even some of us were able to go to Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm getting off track. So... Um, I still attended meetings, even if I was not home during that time. I kept visiting the JW.org website to keep track of the meeting schedules and the addresses. So long story short, I met Tim in North Carolina. We continued talking online, and after a while, we started dating. He came to the Philippines in November 2019, and I was supposed to visit him back last April 2020, but COVID happened, so that plan got pushed back a year explains why I was able to go there last April, like for the whole month of April. So how did I do it? Where do I begin the story? Where do I begin to tell a story of how great... No, okay, um, okay. so Tim has been telling me since January that his brother's going to get married in April. So on February 6, he told me to check my email and voila, he booked my international flight dated March 31, 2021. And the return flight is April 29. So he just booked my international flight. He was like, you take care of the domestic flight and the other expenses. So his brother's wedding is going to be on April 24. So that time he booked my ticket. He did the most expensive but it's actually the most easiest part now i think most of you would probably ask me where and how'd you get the visa veniza oh that rhymed how'd you get the visa veniza anyway um this is the reason why i told you guys about the background story so last 2018 we got a multiple entry with a 10-year validity b1 b2 type of u.s visa if that's not making sense That basically means we got a visa that would let us enter the United States multiple times from 2018 to 2028. And per entry, the United States is going to let us stay for 180 days or six months. So if I wish to, and if I have the money and the right reasons, I can come here to, I mean, I can go there to the USA Stay for six months, go home, then back to you as again. So I could do that for the duration of 10 years. But, you know, no one does that. Life's not that easy. 
So for those who would like to go to the United States for a vacation or for visiting somebody, you might want to study the B1, B2 type visa, which is issued mainly for business trips and, you know, tourism purposes. So I was just fortunate enough to have a valid U.S. visa already before the pandemic. But if you're thinking of getting a new one or, you know, if you're thinking of getting one now, the U.S. Embassy in the Philippines is having a suspension of routine consular operations. Um, long story short, this that's just their suspension with their operations. So you can visit um, travel.state.gov and then go to the visas news page for more details and updates about that. So you might want to ask again, so Vanessa, did y'all get help from a travel agency to assist you guys on processing your visas? No, we didn't, but you could. Um, another question is, who initiated and studied the entire process? Well, I did. How did I learn about it? I read a lot of articles from different official websites. I sent email to um, I sent emails to authorities to ask from them firsthand and called various offices. Well, my friend Lauro assisted me on preparing the necessary documents. I just mainly studied the whole process. So we paid more than 8,000 pesos each for the visa fee. We applied online, prepared the documents, went to Manila, did the interview, got approved, came back to Ligon City, waited for our passports with a printed visa inside to be delivered within two weeks. But, you know, I couldn't talk about the whole intricate process and how to normally schedule an interview or get a visa now. That deserves another podcast. But um, bottom line, I already have a visa for this trip. For, or for the trip that I had. Got that ticked off from the long list of requirements. Now, for the COVID protocols and requirements, for you to be able to get out from your city, get out from the Philippines, and for you to be able to enter United States, that's a long process. Um, each city in the Philippines has different regulations regarding what documents is necessary for you to be able to domestically travel. The airline will email and remind you about these necessary documents, you know, three to five days before your flight. So you have to be vigilant on checking your emails every now and then. Like, for example, if you're going to fly from Cagayan de Oro City to Manila City, most Probably the airline is going to ask you for a medical certificate issued by your city health office. So you might want to file that a day or two before your domestic flight, not on the day of your flight. Because if you're going to do it on the day of your flight, that's the worst situation to be in. So basically in Elegant, you photocopy... Um, ah, I'm sorry, you need to go to your barangay hall to request for a medical certificate to travel. They would ask a photocopy of your ID and details or itinerary of your flight. After they get those, they're going to draft your medical certificate and let the authorized medical person in the barangay clinic sign it, then forward it to the city health office for an authorized doctor to affirm it. And after that, you may get your medical certificate the next day or by the afternoon if you filed it in the morning. Again, take note, each city has different regulations. Some cities require two to three documents for you to be able to fly or some, now not all. 
So the airlines might not even look for a medical certificate or other documents anymore, but might as well, you know, get ready with it so you won't encounter any problems or any probable problems. Please read the reminders. The reminders are not there just to fill the remaining spaces on the paper of your itinerary. They're there to be read. If you dread reading, let another person comprehend it for you. But yeah, don't forget to read it. Wow. Okay, so for the international flights, um, I read updated articles on several websites like www.cdc.gov and www.dhs.gov. However, the most impactful thing that I've done that really helped me on what to prepare and what to do for the trip was the fact that I personally emailed the Bureau of Immigration of the Philippines and the consular section of the U.S. Embassy in the Philippines a week before my trip. Their websites would say they reply three to five working days after you email them, but it didn't even take that long for them to reply. Um, the Bureau of Immigration replied within that same day, and the consular section of the U.S. Embassy replied the following day. So this really made me realize that Email is actually one, if not the most efficient way to address your concern to a certain government office or even to a, uh, even to a particular service provider. Some of us might feel like we're not authorized to contact them or whatever, but these agencies are there to serve us and it's their duty to inform us. So in the mail, I've let them know about my situation and just basically ask them what things do I need to prepare. They sent me helpful reminders and links, which will redirect me to government announcements and regulations. And yeah, I'll just introduce and discuss the documents needed as I narrate my international trip. So fast forward, when I got to Manila from Terminal 3, I needed to transfer to Terminal 1. And um, the NAIA actually had these scheduled trips that would let you transfer from one terminal to another. You may ride on these buses for free, but the management told me that time that it has been suspended since the pandemic started. So I literally had to go outside Terminal 3, look for an, a taxi to drop me off at the Terminal 1 entrance, and um, yeah, I found an airport taxi and I clearly told the taxi driver to use his meter, but he insisted that I just pay 400 pesos for the trip. I ended up paying him that amount of money and, you know, just thought he probably needed the money more than I do. Um, I didn't have time to argue with him and I just assumed that it was a certain type of help given to him. Anywho, so there's a checkpoint before you could enter the Terminal 1 vicinity. They'll ask you for your COVID test results, which should have your name on it, of course, and it should reflect there that you had a negative result. Um, they are also very particular of the time you took the test. So generally, if you will travel to America, the RT-PCR test should have been taken three days before your international flight. So if it's a connecting flight, it should be taken three days before your first international flight. So, for example, for me, my route is Manila to Tokyo, Tokyo to Dallas, and then Dallas to Raleigh, North Carolina. My Manila to Tokyo flight was on March 
12.31 at 12.30 a.m. So I chose to take the test on March 29 at 9 a.m. I got the results on March 30 at 8 a.m. My domestic flight Cagayan to Manila was also on March 30 at 4 p.m. So from the time I took the COVID test till my international flight, my first international flight, it has just been 40 hours. And we all know that three days is equivalent to 72 hours. So upon check-in in IA Terminal 1, I had to show my passport with a U.S. valid visa. With my situation though, my old passport with a valid U.S. visa already expired. Again, it was only the passport which expired. So I had to show them two passports. The new one, which is the valid passport, and my expired passport, which has the valid visa. So this situation is not unusual, by the way, and I didn't even have to explain to them that I'm presenting them two passports because the old one has the U.S. visa, blah, blah, blah. No, they just knew what to do. Again, I had to show my RT-PCR test results to the staff again. They also gave me some papers to fill in and sign on. The first one is the passenger disclosure and attestation to the United States of America. Basically, it's just a document where you should write your name on. Check one of those boxes according to your situation. So for me, I checked the box that says, I attest that I have received a negative pre-departure test result for COVID-19. The test was a viral test that was conducted on a specimen collected from me during the three calendar days preceding the flight's departure. Then you have to sign it. So it, again, this document is going to be provided to you. The next paper that they gave was Travel Declaration and Acceptance of Terms and Risk Form. It states on that paper that you are medically and physically fit to travel and you know the consequences. And if you do get sick while traveling, you have the means to cover the expenses. The date, flight number, and the airline personal has to be stated on that paper as well. And then you have to sign it. Next is the departure card, which you just have to fill in with the necessary details asked. Your name, your birth date, passport number, what's your address in the Philippines, and if you're going to America, what's your address there, as well as many more details. And you have to sign that departure card as well. Take note that the airline personnel is going to check these documents and will also ask for your travel insurance document. Um, by the way, I bought my travel insurance for 3,000 pesos. Again, take note that they will not get or receive any of these papers. They just need to see the papers so that they can issue you your boarding pass. And after you have received your boarding pass or boarding passes for all the connecting flights, you can then proceed to the immigration. So go to the queue for travelers. Uh, I'm sorry. Go to the queue for travelers with Philippine passports. You'll have to surrender your departure card and travel declaration and acceptance of terms and risk form. It's so long. Um, yeah, that one. So two of them. Departure card and again, the travel declaration and acceptance of terms and risk form to the officer. You also have to show your passport with a valid visa and answer all of his or her questions. 
do not lie to the officer. And all of your answers should coincide with what you've filled in on the documents. So um, by that time, for me, she asked questions like, where am I going to? For what purposes or why? Why am I going to rally North Carolina? And then she took a picture of me. So that's it. That's just it. And I went through security check and proceeded to my gate to board the flight. So flying time took about 4 hours and 30 minutes. I arrived in Tokyo Narita Airport at around 6 a.m. Went to transfer desk so they can check my boarding passes, RT-PCR test result, my passport and visa again. And I also had to surrender the passenger disclosure and attestation there. So before I could go through security check and board my flight at 10.30 a.m. Like I really had to give them that particular document. Um, the reason for that is they are the last um, airport before I finally land on um, an airport in America. So the date, may I repeat, was March 31. Now, don't get confused, but I flew for almost 12 hours. But when I arrived, when I arrived in Dallas, it was 8.30 a.m. on March 31. So the time went back a little bit. I'm a time, I'm a time traveler. Um, I had only two hours of layover, so I really had to rush to my, um, to my next flight. Since the Dallas is the first airport I flew in, arriving in the USA, it's like the port of entry. So I had to join a really long queue to go through the customs and immigration. Like the moment I saw the long queue, it was as if there was no pandemic that was going on. Except the fact that all people were, were wearing masks, of course. And there was a certain distance, maybe like two to three, three feet apart that everyone was trying to maintain. So after like 45 minutes being in that queue, I was finally able to go through the officer. He took a picture of me, got my fingerprints for all my fingers. He asked me where I was going, why I was going there. Just those two simple questions. Check my passports and visa and that's about it. Now, I had to claim my baggage in Dallas even if it wasn't my final destination. Because it has to be checked by the Bureau of Customs. So after I claimed it, I had the tag scanned by an officer and left it on a moving conveyor for it to be thorough, uh, thoroughly checked. They even had to check one of my um, suitcases. Uh, that suitcase was locked. Like, it had a padlock, but they, they destroyed the lock. And went through my things inside and just left to notice that it had been checked. Um, leaving my suitcases on that conveyor means I'll meet them directly in Raleigh, by the way. So after that, I had to go through a really long snake-like queue to undergo security check again before I could finally board the plane. And in Dallas, they have a SkyTrain that has like a consistent route and you ride that SkyTrain to go to your de um, uh, designated gate. So if you are a first-time traveler... I haven't checked, but I'm pretty sure that there are a lot of videos on YouTube that would help you understand and utilize signages and codes at the airports. 
So you might want to check that. So I boarded the plane and finally I arrived in Raleigh safely. That's about it. Um, again and again, if you're a first-time international traveler, you have to read and understand reminders, especially from the authorities and the, inter- um, the airlines. You might think that their emails, especially from the airlines, are bothersome sometimes. But the moment that you miss a really important detail or information and they know that they have sent you an email about it or if the authorities have announced it publicly through their websites or posted about it on their official social media accounts, it's not going to be their fault anymore that you missed anything. So with the authorities, don't be afraid to contact them. You may call them, email them, or guarantee they will reply. This method will save your butt from being stranded or from being denied entry. Well, that's it for this podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye!